0: we're living in the apex of human history and the good news is we can be a part of it you know jesus told his own disciples many desire to hear and do the things which you now hear and do but they were not able imagine what he would say for those living in this time when we have so much we're mm. so blessed with so much knowledge um to be living in the time where we can be a part of this great message I just think it's fantastic. Um, even though my heart goes out to those that are affected by this mm-hmm. pandemic. Um, mm-hmm. you know, Not just with this virus, but, but all the disasters around the world. You know, we, we don't want people to lose their lives, um, but we also want to take advantage of the opportunity to share the good news of the blessed hope and the soon coming of Jesus Christ.
1: I have to admit most of my ideas about last day events up to this point in my life have not involved a pandemic virus. Who knew something like this was even possible? Schools, churches, restaurants, and many other businesses are now closed indefinitely. International borders have closed. College and professional sports leagues have canceled all their games. Some states have postponed elections and toilet paper and hand sanitizer have suddenly become rarer than gold. But more than the economic implications, more than the inconvenience of changing the way we live and interact with one another, is the ominous fear that many have about not knowing how this virus is going to permanently change life on our planet. Will it bring us together? or Will it tear us apart? Will we find a cure or will we be seeing a massive overload on our healthcare system for the foreseeable future? And over and above all this, is the question above all questions. Where is God in all this? Is it a sign of his displeasure? Did he cause it to happen? Or is it simply a sign or a fence post pointing us in the direction of his soon coming? To answer those questions and more, I had the privilege to interview veteran evangelist Jason Morgan, who has been teaching and preaching about Bible prophecy and last day events for almost 20 years now. Currently, he is serving as an associate speaker for It Is Written, a worldwide media ministry focused on sharing the everlasting gospel. I got to know Jason a couple of years ago after he preached a prophecy seminar at my church in Daytona Beach, and I was excited about the opportunity to bring him back on here on episode 36. I started by asking him how he is personally processing the effects the coronavirus is having on our society. Well, you
0: know, thanks for having me on. Um, you know, first and foremost, you know, our hearts and prayers go out to the, the victims of this terrible virus and their families. You know, it's heartbreaking to see what's happening around the world. But nonetheless, this may sound redundant, but you know, as a minister and um, sharing the prophecies that Jesus foretold in Matthew 24, um, this is just another sign of the times. It is absolutely clear in Matthew 24 that Jesus uh, referred to this. Um, pestilence, disease that was spread around the world, and it just tells me that his coming is very imminent, and uh, we definitely need to be getting ready.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, and I've studied Matthew twenty-four too, and and we've we've looked in the past, we've seen um, different uh, pestilences, you know, different diseases um, that we've talked about, and I've I've gotten up front and, and preached and and you know talked about. Um, some of these other viruses and diseases that that we have dealt with as a as a world, um, but but this seems different, doesn't it?
0: It's a lot different. This has changed the world. Um, it's brought everyone. Things have changed, you know, in almost every country of the world because of this virus.
1: Yeah, and and so you know, as human beings, we're you know, there's different ways that we try to maintain control of our lives, but one of them is through our knowledge, right? Our, our belief in the future, our confidence in the future. Right. So how does a crisis like this particularly reveal our need of God?
0: Well, it tells me that life is fragile. You know, we're not promised tomorrow, even though we have hope for tomorrow through the promises of God's word. We're promised today. You know, the Bible says today is the day of salvation. And I can't help but to thank Travis of so many people that are going into Christless graves, You know, even as we speak now, it's a tragedy. But the good news is we have salvation. And I think this is exactly what people need to hear in the world today, that we have salvation through Jesus Christ and we can have peace in the midst of this um, trying time, you know, in the midst of the storm. We can have the assurance that God has us in his hand we trust in His salvation, and uh, we have a, a bright future ahead of us if we just hold the faith and don't look back and keep our focus on Christ.
1: Yeah, because I think that was the challenge that the Jews had when Jesus came, right? Like they thought they had it figured out, right? They thought they knew exactly how the Messiah was going to come. They thought they understood kind of the signs of the times. And then when things started happening a little differently than they had imagined, it kind of threw them for a loop, didn't it?
0: It did. Yeah, one thing that stands out in the gospel is that Jesus said to his own generation, he says, you know not the scriptures, neither the power of God. So they they're kind of clueless. Uh, they weren't really studying the Bible. They were kind of finding what they believe instead of believing what they find. And I think if they would have searched the scriptures like Jesus said we should, they would have been well aware that he was a fulfillment of prophecy, he was the Messiah, and things would be a lot different today. And I think that's really true today. Um, a lot of people are walking in, in the morass of uncertainty. They're living in fear because of this virus. But, you know, there are many more troubling times ahead of us. And we need to be in the Bible, studying, comparing Scripture to Scripture, really digging and learning what Jesus said and other prophets of Scripture that he inspired through his Spirit about the times we're living in. You know, the Bible says that uh, in, I think it's Isaiah 33, verse 6, and wisdom and knowledge shall be the stability of thy times and strength of salvation. The fear of the Lord is his treasure. So I think that's where our security lies.
1: Yeah. And that's so important because I think a lot of times we have, um, even Christians, we have this idea that we know what's going to happen in the future. We, we have this, you know, especially those of us who have studied Bible prophecy, we have this idea that certain events have to happen in a certain order And then when something like this happens, it kind of throws that all um, up in the air because we start to realize, wow, you know, things can change really rapidly.
0: Isn't that the truth? I mean, what's so different about this pandemic is like SARS or the West Nile virus, Um, even the Ebola virus, which is a a 90% fatality rate, is worse obviously a lot worse than the coronavirus, but this virus has just shut everything down as we know it in the world. Businesses, travel, everything. And it just goes to show you that, you know, how things can change overnight. And uh, I can't help but to think about Revelation, which is the book of the last days, how the Bible talks about um, a consolidation of powers and forces and people around the world that will uh, wander after the beast. Mm. And um, we're told that economic sanctions will come as a result of it. And once again, it brings us back to the only refuge that anyone will have, and that's in Jesus Christ. Be faithful to him, trusting in him, and be ready for the time that's coming. Jesus says, watch and be ready.
1: Yeah, and, and when you were just talking before, it kind of reminded me of a text you know, about, you know, Jesus was um, essence scolding or at least rebuking, I don't know what the right word would be, the leaders, the religious leaders of his day. But he said in, in Matthew sixteen three, he said, in the morning it will be foul weather today, for the sky is red and threatening. Hypocrites, yeah. you know how to discern the face of the sky, but you cannot discern the signs of the times. Um, and I've seen that a lot too. I've seen Christians um, react to this coronavirus, and they're like, "Oh, you know, don't don't overreact. It's it's just a um, you know, a, a, we're all just taking precaution. It's a it's a health issue. It's, it has nothing to do with last day events." What what would you say to somebody who's been trying to quiet their conscience by telling themselves that?
0: Well, it may not, in essence, be as bad as some are, you know, are believing or predicting as far as people being affected. But I think the what we need to consider is is the implication of this virus and the reaction around the world. Um, it's not fanaticism, you know, to to prepare for the coming of Jesus Christ, and Jesus clearly predicted. Not only that diseases would be around the world. I remember Matthew 24, they asked him the question, when shall these things be and what shall be the sign of your coming in the end of the world? And one of the main points, in addition to many others, that we would see as signs in the world was that there would be diseases. But in Luke 21 is a compliment to Matthew 24. It's like Luke's rendition uh, or testimony of the same events foretold in Matthew 24. He says the hearts of many will fail them for fear. Of the things coming upon the earth, and you know that's the fulfillment of prophecy. People are living in fear. You know this may sound funny, but the reality is, I, I go to these stores. I go to Albertsons. I go to uh, um, Walmart. I can't get anything. The shelves are empty, and you know the ladies that check me out—they just roll their eyes because they said people are just coming in waves and just buying everything up because they're afraid. They're afraid of the unknown. They're afraid of the future and what's going to happen. So people are just kind of stockpiling things up, not knowing what's going to happen with this pandemic. And again, that is a fulfillment of prophecy, uh, whether Mm -hmm. we know it or not. Lisa said, you know, we're going to be living in a a time where fear is going to captivate the hearts of people for the things coming upon the earth. And we saw this in 9-11. 9-11 changed the way we live our lives. You know, it, it impacted the world you know, one event impacted the whole world. And this, this pandemic has impacted the whole world as well. So it's just another step that prophecy foretells that, that is really getting us closer and closer to the blessed hope.
1: Exactly. And that's kind of what I was, you know, getting at because I agree with you. I think the, um, the, uh, it's very likely that we'll be getting over this coronavirus here in a month or two and, and things may for a while go back to normal. But um, what is different is the fact that this, since it has affected the whole world, then the world, like you were just saying how it changed after nine 11 um, most likely as we adjust to avoid something like this happening again in the future, there is going to be uh, changes that that take place in in a political sense um, on a worldwide scale.
0: That's right. Uh, Yeah. And that should not surprise us because, you know, history is saturated with Bible prophecy in the past of powers that be that are instrumental in the play and counterplay, if you want to call it that, between good and evil. When it comes to the people that follow the Lord, that trust in Jesus, and put their faith in him. Um, you know, this is true with the prophecies of Daniel. You have Babylon, Medo-Persia, Greece, and Rome mentioned in Daniel chapter 2, Daniel 7, Daniel 8, and even Daniel 11. And these are universal, influential powers that had a direct impact upon the people of God, you know, through centuries of time. And it's no less in these last days. Uh, you know, Revelation chapter 13, which is a very um relevant chapter especially for these last days you know speaks about a beast and it says that um that the beast which is a power or a kingdom would lose its influence for a time but then that influence would be given back to it and then it said all the world would wander after the beast and then it brings into play uh, nations and powers that will implement economic sanctions so um obviously you know kings, kingdoms, political leaders are going to have a role in what the Bible clearly portrays in the last day events,
1: yeah, I agree, and you can't you know obviously look at this without looking at it in its context and um you know I think you mentioned it already, but um you know in matthew chapter twenty four of course um Jesus is asked by his disciples, you know, what will be the sign of your coming and the end of the age? And uh, of course, you know, Jesus starts out by saying, take heed that no one deceives you. For many will come in my name saying, I am the Christ and will deceive many. And you will hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you are not troubled for these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. For nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. And there shall be famines and pestilences and earthquakes in various places. All these are the beginning of sorrows. And then right after that, he starts talking about tribulation, which is interesting because you just mentioned that same kind of progression happening in Revelation 13, um, that these signs um, kind of move the world in a direction and then, um, you know, what, what happens after that is, uh, is, is something that Christians need to really pay attention to. Yeah,
0: you know, Jesus did say, I think it's in John 16, um, that they that persecute you think that they're doing God's service. A lot of times we think that the enemy is going to come from an obvious direction. Um, but Satan in scripture is a master at counterfeiting, making things appear righteous when they're actually not. And many times, believers, Christians, were persecuted in the name of Christ, you know? And the word antichrist really means in the place of Christ, where Jesus should be. This character places himself there, and many will be deceived because of that. And that's why, as you and I mentioned before, it's imperative that we allow the Bible to explain itself. You know, we allow the Bible to show us exactly who the characters are, which Revelation clearly does. And most importantly, what are the issues that will bring about this final movement, you know, between good and evil, between two camps in the end of time. So that's, it's, it's really important for us to, to be in the Bible and allowing the Bible to speak for itself
1: definitely and we've talked about that a lot on this podcast about that issue the dividing um of the world into two groups and um and how do how do events like these and obviously future ones that we haven't um you know gone through yet how do the how do these kind of work in that direction how how do how does something like this kind of move the world into kind of splitting into two groups one that serves god and one who doesn't
0: Well, the short answer is counterfeits, but there's always a counterfeit to every truth that God has revealed in his word. But history, too, we call it his story. The stories of the Bible are not just stories about people's lives and whether their choices are good or bad and the ramifications or the implications of those choices, the results of those choices. It actually is, they're stories that are prophetic. The Bible says whatever things were written aforetime were written for our learning and were examples upon whom the ends of the world are come. And I think Cain and Abel are a good example. Here are two brothers, they're both believers. Uh, Cain was not an atheist, for the Bible says he had um, face-to-face conversations with God. And he actually did bring a sacrifice, but what he brought was a counterfeit sacrifice. He brought fruit, he brought the work of his own hands. And God said bring a sacrifice. Abel obeyed God, he brought the sacrifice, he took the life of the animal which represented the death of Jesus. Um, that would come in the future so he kind of showed his faith in that we're only forgiven through the blood of the lamb and god accepted his sacrifice well he didn't accept you know uh cain's sacrifice and cain because right abel's works were righteous just took the life of his brother and a mark was placed upon cain and i think that's interesting because at the end of time we have two groups of people we have one group that they, they do what god says whatever god says they keep his commandments as i said in revelation 14 verse 12 Here's the patience of the saints. Here are they that keep the commandments of God and the faith of Jesus. Then you have another group that take the mark of the beast. Uh, They don't believe it's really that important to obey what God says, like Cain, and they follow their own dictates. They don't follow what God says in his word, though they may be believers. And so these two brothers are examples of two classes of people in the end of time. One class will take the seal of God. They obey what God says. They bring what God says to bring on the altar. The other class, um, they choose a counterfeit. They bring their own work, the work of man's hands, um, the work of man's devisings, and uh, God doesn't accept that. But the deception is when Satan, we're told in Revelation 13, he will bring fire down from God of heaven. But it says that that fire will deceive them that dwell upon the face of the earth. If you look in scripture and history, when fire came down from God of heaven, for example, on Mount Carmel in the days of Elijah, it represented the favor of God. It burnt up Elijah's sacrifice, licked up the water. There was a great revival as a result of it. Israel said, Listen, Elijah's God is the true God. Um, fire came down from God of heaven on the day of Pentecost. It represented God's favor upon the apostolic church. The 12 disciples were gathered in the upper room. And there was a great revival as a result. 3,000 souls were baptized, as Acts chapter 2 clearly portrays. But when this fire comes down in Revelation 13, which is going to be on a universal scale, that's the principle of Revelation. It it reveals things that have happened in history that will be repeated but on a universal scale. And many are going to think that God's favor is manifest. God's behind it. But it's not God. It's actually Satan deceiving them. And what we're going to see is a false revival. Not a true one, but a false revival. That's where the deception is going to be that's where many think God is leading through these miracles that are happening through the enemy. And that's going to take so many people in an overwhelming deception, which is
1: sad. Wow. And and that's exactly what I think, um, you know, something like the coronavirus outbreak, because I agree with you, like revelation takes these kind of local issues that happen in a geographic area in history, past, and then it becomes universal in the last days. And and so, at the same time, when you see these prophecies in, the, in, in Revelation that that are dealing with the whole world, the gospel is going to the world and the whole world is being deceived all at the same time. And so, when you see these universal events, like you mentioned, 9-11, and now with this coronavirus, um, it would make sense that the world might um, view these things as an opportunity of coming together Um, and uh, that would be seen as a good thing by most people, wouldn't you agree?
0: Yeah, there's nothing wrong with unity. We we want to be unified, but we want to be unified in the truth. We don't want to give up um, liberty, you know, uh, constitutional rights for the sake of security, because ultimately our security is in Jesus Christ. And that's where the danger can lie: is when we are willing to step away from religious liberty. Um, That is a principle. That's an inherent biblical principle. You know, Jesus says, render unto Caesar the things that are Caesar's, and to God the things that belong to God. So the church belongs to God, not to Caesar. So, yeah, we want to see the world come together. We want to see an opportunity for people to hear and respond to the gospel. But at the same time, um, you know, they say, the old saying is, be careful when you fight the dragon lest you become a dragon. And we definitely don't want to go to an extreme. We want to stay balanced. And I think that's probably where the devil is going to go, his direction. I think prophecy foretells he's going to try to bring many to an extreme point that is hard to come back from. And mm-hmm. uh, that's where we're going to see so many kind of taken in that. And, you know, like I said, it's, it's really uh, brings us back to, you know, Scripture wakes us up. Mm-hmm. Scripture is a life in a dark place if we can spend more time in God's word, really studying what Jesus said in Matthew 24, as you mentioned earlier, Luke 21, also Revelation is a book that amplifies, magnifies, and clarifies the closing scenes of our history. Um, we're not going to be deceived. God's not going to allow us to be deceived. if We have a sincere heart and a willingness to learn from his word.
1: Amen. And, yeah, I mean, I— that's that's what this is all about it's about like waking ourselves up you know jesus said watch and pray lest you enter into temptation you know the the spirit is willing but the body or the flesh is weak and uh and and of course we know the the parable of the 10 virgins you know five were foolish and five were wise but they were all sleeping um until the loud cry and so we know that that whether christian or not i mean there's going to be something that that kind of Wakes us up, gets our attention, and um, and I think a lot of that has to do with the rights that we've enjoyed as a as a nation for so long. You know, for for over 250 years, almost we we've been um, enjoying this unique opportunity in history where we had religious freedom, we've had freedom of the press, we've had freedom of privacy. But, but some of these things are changing, and uh, I just read this article today out of The Atlantic, and I uh, just want to share just the par- one of the paragraphs here. Um, it says here, the spread of the coronavirus is likely to get worse before it gets better, and more extreme restrictions like the ones already seen in Europe and Asia might be coming to America. Israel has started tracking cell phones of infected people, and the U.S. government reportedly wants to do likewise. Already we can feel the dark prospect creeping into daily life. On Tuesday, during a drive to a responsibly social distanced family hike, our, family, or our friendly minivan passed a menacing black suburban parked on the side of the road, the blue lights of its official authority flashing. What would have been a surprising oddity a mere week ago now seems like an ominous forecast. Soon, perhaps, papers might be requested, temperatures might be taken, passage might be prohibited. How would we respond? Now, obviously, this is not a Christian writing this article, but I think it's interesting to think about the, the prospect of, of losing liberty, and I think there's a direct connection between that and, and last day events. Wouldn't you agree?
0: Absolutely. This is just one step out of several that must take place for revelation 13 which is a prominent chapter to be fulfilled you know it's it doesn't happen overnight even though a lot has happened it seems overnight in the last few days um but that that's definitely a sign that um people want security Mm -hmm. they want to feel secure and as christians we know that our only security is in jesus christ we have to Trust in Him because the last days are going to be rapid ones. The last days are going to be dark ones, and there's going to be trying times ahead.
1: Hmm. Well, I know you're not a prophet, nor do you claim to be one. <laughs> but what are some future signs you'll be looking for that could come as a result of this? You know, and why? 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 What? What would you? You know, if you were talking to someone who's maybe new to Bible prophecy, new to signs of the times. Um, What would you say to them? What should they be looking for other than, you know, what you were just mentioning? We need to be in the word of God, but just, um, share a little bit about your own personal, um, your own personal thoughts on this.
0: Well, I think, um, like we had talked about earlier, I think it's a revelation of what's going to happen in their future in terms of, uh, consolidation of kingdoms, nations, mm. and the masses of people that will be united on one issue. will mm. stand against God's people as they plant their feet firmly upon the word of God. And again, it, it brings us to the mark of the beast and the seal of God. Um, you know, we don't have the time to kind of get into the, the Bible definition of what the seal and the mark is, but uh, obviously it's a dealing with worship. And um, I think that there's going to be A movement of false worship I think Revelation clearly reveals that And it's going, to, it's going to look good It's going to sound like the answer To all the problems that we are seeing in the world Let's not forget that Not only do we see that this pandemic as, as a sign But we just had an earthquake in Salt Lake City mm. Just yesterday, I believe A 5.7 And, and uh, is the largest earthquake in that area in years And Jesus did say earthquakes in various or diverse places in the end of time. Um, So a lot of these signs are just, they're intensifying in frequency and intensity. Um, You know, this this coronavirus pandemic is facilitating to this. People are living in fear. Mm -hmm. And what we've witnessed in the last couple of days in terms of People yielding to government demands to shut down businesses,
1: Mm -hmm. um,
0: stop international travel, even perhaps domestic travel, um, just shows that when a crisis hits, the world comes together. Mm -hmm. They put aside their differences, they come together, and they unite. The danger is if they unite on something that is detrimental, something that is false, something that is uh, at odds with God's will, um, because God's hand is over this nation. You know, I believe that it's not a Christian nation, but a nation of Christians, if we can call it that, because it's founded upon a Christian principle of separation church and state. Mm-hmm. Danger is 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 people coming together because the world follows the United States. There's just no doubt about that. You know, um, other countries are sh- are shutting down now as a result of the influence of America leading out in this. So when America speaks, other countries listen. And if this nation decides to um, abandon any type of religious liberty for the sake of security and other nations follow suit, uh, that's not going to be good. I believe that what we see in the world today in terms of disasters that we do not witness here in America, let's be honest, we there's disasters here, we have tornadoes, we have hurricanes, and it's traumatic, it's devastating. But we have not really witnessed, for example, what we witnessed in 2004 where the earthquake on the bottom of the Indian Ocean launched that series of, of um, tsunamis that took the lives of, they estimate, 300,000 people. I mean, just imagine if, there was an earthquake you know, off the shore of the East Coast or the West Coast that, that brought in a tsunami that would take the lives of, let's just say, half that number. Just half. Imagine how that would change the way we live our lives today. Mm-hmm. So the point is that, yeah, you know, God's hand rests upon this nation. He's blessed it, I believe, in every which way. He is protecting it as long as this nation... Um, stands upon the principle of religious liberty. I think that's where, that's the source of the prosperity and the power and the favor of God is the principles upon which we stand. And I think that's where the devil is trying to attack. I think he's starting a little at a time, chipping away until eventually people are willing to give up their religious liberty for the sake of security. When that takes place, I believe the Bible's clear that we're going to see things taking place in this nation around the world like we've never seen before
1: yeah and I think you know a couple of things that I agree with you 100 percent on that statement and and I think you know the the Protestant principles that the, that our nation was founded upon particularly um, republicanism and like you just mentioned religious liberty which are which are two uniquely Protestant, principles. And, um, you know, I, I, see us moving more toward authoritarianism and, and, and in events like these, like you just mentioned, are, are, are very tempting to, to justify giving up our, our, uh, our liberties for the sake of security. And, uh, the, this, the most secure that, uh, you can feel a lot of times is under an authoritarian type of government because they have the absolute control and can, can make things move quickly. They don't have to go through committees and votes and all that stuff to get things done. And it's honestly more efficient um, to get things done. So it's, we could, we could see how that would be tempting um, to, as well to give up some of our democratic liberties, as well as some of our religious liberties in the name of security.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, unfortunately, that probably is going to be the case sooner than later <laughs> as a result of what we're witnessing now.
1: Exactly. And and now, like you said, we, we, we have people that are literally suffering. You know, we've had um, thousands of people have died around the world. We have thousands of infections here in the United States. We don't know... Um, you know, we're just having we're recording this podcast. You know, pretty much at the beginning of this pandemic outbreak here in the United States. So, you know, if someone's listening to this a month or two from now, we have you know, it could, we have no idea what it what it, what it's going to be at that point. But even now, we can see that um, you know the this is this is a very serious um, issue that that we need to we need to be there for one another. We need to. Um, you know, pray for one another and, and, and help one another and, and be good neighbors and show the world what, what Christians um, stand for. And and so, given that, you know, what should we be doing now? You know, what would you say to someone who's a Christian, but they're kind of like, oh, you know, I just, you know, I'm afraid or I just don't know what to do. Um, what what are a couple things that you would just say to to somebody who um, is listening as, as like what they should be doing right now
0: well generally speaking um the bible says be still and know that i am god that far above the starry sky sits one on the throne whose purpose is no no haste and no delay so god's in control if we could just put our faith in him and surrender our lives to him uh, we're promised and expected in so that's where peace comes in but on another point the bible says god has not given us a spirit of fear but a power love and a sound mind so i don't want to over exaggerate fear but the bible does say examine yourself to see whether you're in the faith i think this is a time of soul searching Mm -hmm. i think this is a time to to really look in the mirror and say where am i when it comes to my walk with jesus christ because ultimately you know we're not saved in groups or in pairs we're saved individually and as though there's nobody living on the earth you know we're going to stand before the judge of the whole earth and you know, we need to make sure that every day, as Paul says, "I die daily," that we're surrendered to His will, that we trust in His salvation, that we claim His promises, that we're willing to grow in grace every day. And I think that's the first work is to make sure that our hearts are where they need, where it needs to be, in our relationship with Jesus Christ. And there's some practical things that we can be doing as well. You know, Jesus is occupied till I come because mm-hmm. there's tragedy, there's pandemics, there's uh, trouble, you know, in the near future, uh, we still need to live live our lives. Um, some practical things, you know, Jesus often spoke in parables about the importance of getting out of debt, you mm-hmm. know, when you, um, you know, the borrower is slave, you know, to the owner. And so, you know, we can be getting out of debt um, so that we're free to be used by God in various ways to spread. To use our influence to spread the gospel and so that more people can hear about the soon return of Jesus Christ.
1: Amen. And, um, I also agree, you know, that, you know, obviously we should be following the recommendation of the CDC right now. I mean, this is not some made up thing. I mean, there is a disease out there. We do need to take the precautions to avoid getting sick and, and to, um, you know, not get other people sick. So, so that is something that, you know, we, as Christians, we we need to set a good example in, but beyond that, you know, even from our, our homes, um, we can pick up the phone, right? We can get on our computers. We can, um, you know, write if we need to, there, there are things that we can do, like you said, other than just, you know, I agree, you know, soul searching is a huge part of that, you know, where am I at? But then, you know, the end of, of that section in Matthew 24, that first section says then this gospel of the kingdom will be preached to all the world as a witness to all nations. And then the end will come. So, so clearly there is a, a galvanizing effect that these things happen, have on God's people as well as, as like, Hey man, we, we need to, um, to, to, to share the good news of, of the everlasting gospel that Jesus is coming. And, and fear God and give glory to Him. You know, the hour of His judgment is here, but uh, we need to come back to true worship. And you were kind of hinting at that before, but we've talked about that quite a bit on this podcast already about the importance of, of God's law and and how that um, is going to be the standard in the judgment and how so few people seem to, to recognize that these days.
0: Yeah, no, I really appreciate what you just mentioned. That in Matthew 24, the final sign, and probably the most important sign in Matthew 24 is in verse 14 and 15, that this gospel shall be preached in all the world for a witness to all nations, and then shall the end come. What a golden opportunity right now as people are panicking
1: mm-hmm.
0: and a sign is, is, you know, spreading around the world. Eyes are open up. People's hearts are more susceptible now to Bible truth. They mm-hmm. want to know, does Bible prophecy predict this? What a golden opportunity for us to, to proclaim, to share in deed and word, the, the wonderful good news that Jesus came and died for us. There's a place for them in his kingdom, and that he's coming very, very soon. And he wants everyone to have a place there.
1: Amen. So, so it's not fanaticism to view the coronavirus pandemic as a sign of Jesus' second coming. And, and I think it's important that we, we recognize that, hey, this is a great opportunity. You, know, you may know this already, but there are hundreds and thousands and millions of people out there who don't know that Jesus is coming soon. And so just because this might not um, you know, surprise you, even though I'd have a hard time believing anybody <laughs> would tell me that this hasn't surprised them and, and, and shook them a little bit, but even beyond that, you know, even if if you're like, well, yeah, I knew stuff like this was happening, great. But guess what? There's so many people out there who just don't know and and haven't even read Matthew 24 or even read a, a verse or two in the whole entire Bible. So, what an opportunity while people are are asking questions to to share Bible truth.
0: Amen. It, we really are living not just in momentous times but exciting times. We're living in a time where. The everlasting gospel is going out to the world. It's a restoration of all things. It's the final message. We have the words of Jesus. We have his life His example. We have all the prophecies of scripture that are foretelling that everything is being fulfilled. We're living in the apex of human history. And the good news is we can be a part of it. You know, Jesus told his own disciples, many desire to hear and do the things which you now hear and do, but they were not able. Imagine what he would say for those living in this time we have so much. We're mm. so blessed with so much knowledge um, to be living in a time where we can be a part of this great message. I just think it's fantastic. Um, even though my heart goes out to those that are affected by this mm-hmm. pandemic, um, mm-hmm. you know, not just with this virus, but but all the disasters around the world. You know, we we don't want people to lose their lives, um, but we also want to take advantage of the opportunity to share. The good news of the blessed hope and the soon coming of Jesus Christ.
1: Amen. Yeah. Um, and and just as we kind of close, I, I just wanted to um, just you know let let you kind of have the last word on 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 this, you know, because um, you know when people are are afraid or they're anxious or they're um, they have questions, um, we've talked a lot about. Um, faith and and hope, but uh, just at, just as we close, would would you share just a little bit about what is giving you hope right now?
0: You know, Luke twenty one, verse twenty eight, when Jesus, um, after he related the signs that um, the hearts of men will fear them for fear, he says the nations will be distressed, the sea and the waves are going to be roaring. So he mentioned. There, tsunamis, uh, earthquakes, in Matthew 24. Then he said this. This is—it's amazing—the climax of that prophecy. says, "When you see these things come to pass, then lift up your head, for your redemption draws nigh." So, one of the privileges uh, of those living in the last days is to see Jesus come. He's going to come in power and great glory. He's going to break the clouds of blue. The Bible says, every eye shall see him come. All of the angels of heaven, in Matthew 24, verse 31, 30 and 31, are going to come. They're going to attend him. Everyone in all of their glory. So we get to witness the coming of Christ if we live through this, this time. And that gives me hope. You know, even mm-hmm. though he said, you see these things happening. He said, hey, lift up your heads because my coming is near. And one of the promises we have in First Corinthians is that eye has not seen, ear has never heard neither has entered into the heart of man the things that God has prepared for those that love him. And, you know, we could, we could put some amazing things on the big screen in terms of human imagination. Now, everybody has an imagination, but the Bible says we come infinitely short of the reality of what God is preparing for us if we are patient. You know, here's the patience of the saints. And we endure, as Jesus said in Matthew 24, verse 13, until the end the same shall be saved. We'll get to witness that. And you know, Travis, the good news is 40 trillion years and we've just begun to live with Jesus Christ and our loved ones that we've been separated uh, through the pain of death, to be reunited with them and to live in paradise in God's presence where he is currently throughout the ceaseless ages. How can one not be excited? How can that not elevate us above the storm through the trying times we're living in and grapple by faith the the beautiful hope that we can be with him forever. That's what gives me hope.
1: Thanks for listening to this episode of Adventology. Our goal in this podcast is for you to be ready for Jesus. And the best way to be ready for Jesus is to spend time getting to know him. Knowing Jesus is everything. And that is why we spent the time today studying the signs of the times with evangelist Jason Morgan. But don't just take our word for it, study it out for yourself. And for our hands-on experience, I encourage you to check out our website, adventology.com, where you can find the show notes and transcripts from all of our previous episodes. Also, if you like this episode, share it with a friend. Or better yet, leave a rating and review from wherever you downloaded this podcast from. All right, well, I enjoyed our time together again today, and I look forward to seeing you back here again on our next episode of Adventology. Until then, Maranatha.